0: they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. There's an old axiom that states, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. In today's teaching text, Jesus prepares the disciples for the road that Jesus himself is beginning to travel. Jesus knows what is coming on the road because it directly correlates with his purpose for coming to earth. As Mark will put it in our coming weeks, to seek and save the lost. Jesus has and will continue to show us how to be human and provide the way for us to be fully so. As we listen and respond to Jesus, what follows on this road is the outcome of Mark's climatic statement by Peter Jesus is the Christ. Peter then, in our story, rebukes Jesus, and Jesus chastises Peter. And at this point, Jesus knows that he must prepare his disciples. For the road and us along with them. So, after an encounter in private, Jesus makes a public statement about those who wish to actively follow Jesus by saying, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The subsequent statements and questions provide clarity to this initial statement. Let me acknowledge that there is plenty of empty church speak around this verse deny yourself take up your cross it's used in phrases as just filler sometimes in con in conversation and in congregations i do not intend to propagate such talk today i also recognize the weightiness of these words when we rightly understand them when jesus says these words he isn't discouraging people from exploring who he is and those sincerely seeking truth Jesus provides clarity for those who, along with Peter, begin to rightly see Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus provides the implications for everyday faith, for those who begin to see Jesus as Messiah and want to see his lordship come to fruition in every aspect of their life. So in Tanim, everyday faith denies self and takes up one's cross. The idea of self-denial is a direct affront to two popular phrases one may see on social media or hear from friends and family, whether implicitly or explicitly. They are self-care and self-discovery. This week, be on the lookout for an article on self-denial in a self-care world. See, Jesus is is not weaponizing self-denial at the expense of self-care. However, his point is that you do not know yourself as well as you think you do. And in fact, looking to self, whether our feelings or our failings, is getting both care and discovery wrong. We discover who we truly are when we begin to see Christ for who he truly is. That's why the call comes after Peter's powerful statement. A wrong view of messiahship leads to a, a wrong view of discovery. Understanding Jesus' unique role in the world drives everyday faith because you live out of a fully funded account. And we need new accounting, not merely new activity. When we hear self-denial, often we picture stopping a bad habit. We approach this like going through our closet and taking out clothes and just giving them to Goodwill at the expense of just being able to then go and buy new things for ourselves. Both seek to satisfy Self make you feel better about yourself. So we don't need new activity. We need new accounting. Imagine with me the difference between a bank account that's empty versus one that's totally full. Some of you like that image right there. Self-discovery tells you that you have to fill up the empty account yourself. Every choice, good or bad, either deposits more into the account Or withdrawals from it. You constantly keep score in your head. You never know when the balance is enough, though. You also grow entitled because it's your account, and you're the one making deposits and withdrawals. You justify whatever bad choices you make because surely you've put enough good into the account prior. You make choices out of what you deserve or what others deserve. Even when you may wonder if you've made enough deposits, it's imaginary. Therefore, you always have justification for a withdrawal. To do something foolish or frivolous or bad. But the total weight of managing the account, filling it up, falls on you. The questions are, have you made enough deposits to prove to others who you really are? Will people truly accept the balance that you are depositing into. When the weight falls on you, it will wear you down. And eventually you get to zero since you have never enough to satisfy what you need to pay. And so eventually, you, as you try to deposit, you grow weary in depositing and eventually just continually re- withdraw. And we get to zero. You never have enough to satisfy what you need to pay. What you must pay for power, for control, approval, or comfort. You desire to actualize who you see yourself as. Jesus says, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Denying self removes ourselves as the earner from the account." It turns the account over to Jesus. Our feelings, our choices, they stop being made out of what we can do. Instead, they are made from an overflow of who Christ is and who he says we are. And we start living as if our account is fully funded and will never go empty because Christ has provided access to the eternal fund. Embracing Christ in denial of self enables us to discover who we are, who you are. In Christ, fully loved, fully approved, fully pursued, fully embraced. And when someone slights us, when we feel weary, when we receive the blessing, when we, we can then respond with grace, kindness, patience, because the source of our expenditure is not us. And so when the lies start to say that you deserve this or they deserve that treatment, You can talk back to your feelings by saying no. Everyday faith denies self by discovering Christ, thus embracing suffering. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, As we embark upon discipleship, what I've termed as discovering who we are in Christ, in every aspect of our life, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. But it is the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of the old man at his call. Some have grown accustomed to to bearing one's cross as a figure of speech, for putting up with an inconvenience of hardship. Over the next several chapters in Mark, Jesus clarifies how taking up one's cross is not just being inconvenienced, is not just going through something hard, but bearing one's cross, taking up the cross, is a total surrender of allegiance. See, in Mark's day, that was not merely a theoretical truth. It was not merely something that was filler in conversation. Mark is writing to Christians who are actually losing their life to crucifixion by Nero. So for them, everyday faith denies itself by discovering Christ and embracing suffering through the cross. A cross that stands for and stood for opposition. See, a cross was used to execute criminals who had the state of Rome in opposition to them. Two, a cross stood for shame. This execution was reserved for criminals, and the victim was usually naked on the cross for hours. The cross stood for three, suffering. This kind of execution was designed to prolong excruciating pain. And four, the cross stood for death. The aim of crucifixion was death, not torture, followed by release. Jesus called to embrace suffering through the image of the cross would remind Mark's community that their adversity under Nero was not a sign of God's abandonment, but rather their identification with and faithfulness to the way of Jesus himself. Cross is not something that's abstract, but it's something that provides meaning to our everyday life. Therefore, when Jesus says to take up one's cross, he meant at least this, be willing, without murmuring, Or God criticism or cowardice to be opposed, to be shamed, to suffer and to die, all for your allegiance to Jesus. Or to get to the heart of the matter, to take up your cross meant to treasure Jesus more than you treasure human approval, honor, comfort, life, and power. And Jesus calls out the display of shame for his words as a way. As an expression of how to not take up one's cross. He, he, he calls out those who, who are ashamed of his way and his words. And he says, when you are ashamed of who I am and what I am doing for you, you're actually not taking up the cross. So the seemingly righteous display shame by doing that drive-by Jesus in a way that's inconsistent with his character. Dropping the truth without the character. Saying the right things without backing it up by their action with patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. The seemingly unrighteous say, well, maybe next time for fear of the situation turning awkward. Meaning you will have to risk safety. Both the seemingly unrighteous and righteous are confronted by the cross and forced and asked to embrace the suffering by risking their safety. We all have different versions of safe. For some, it's easy to scorn than it is to listen to a story. For others, it's easier to avoid than ask. We know what our personal version and vision of safe are when we deny suffering. When that, when that feeling rises up within you and you, you know you could say something or you know that maybe you need to be a little more patient or even you, you do something And that overwhelming feeling of of maybe guilt or shame goes, I shouldn't have done that there. We know we have missed the mark, and instead we've opted for what is safe. Even in our sinful reactions, we would choose those actions because they are safe, and we can justify them because we've got a bank account that we've put deposits into. And so often we get these two backwards of denying self and taking up a cross. We take up self and then we deny suffering when Christ calls us to take up the cross and deny self. When I was in college, we had a campus-wide policy that was enacted. No peanuts, no peanut butter on campus. As an athlete, this was devastating. I relied on supplementing my meals with PB&J to maintain weight for football. The prohibition on campus came because an incoming student's parents felt that the campus would be unsafe for their daughter should any peanut products be allowed on campus. It would make logical sense to prohibit certain peanut-based products in certain spaces of the campus if the student had an airborne peanut allergy. Certain accommodations could and should have been made for her consideration. However, the student's allergy applied to ingesting any peanut-based products. A new campus-wide policy was made to ensure a safe environment for a single student should she accidentally ingest any peanut products. Now, please do not mistake my use of this story as an attempt to shame this girl or her parents, nor anyone with serious peanut allergies. I share this example merely to suggest that so much of our lives do exactly what these parents did, We work to create environments where no stress is present, where we never have to be uncomfortable, where there's no chance of something that's out of place. There's no variable that we can't control, where we never have to check our character and priority with Jesus. And so everything is always manageable. And we've got a policy, we've got a strategy, we've got a justifiable way in our life that starts from our perspective. It's the path of least resistance in our life. Shockingly, we know how harmful the removal of all resistance can be. Muscles need resistance to strengthen. Inactivity or lack of resistance like astronauts in space will cause muscles to atrophy. Yet we avoid depending on God by attempting to curate an environment. We listen to perspectives that reinforce our positions for the sake of our own comfort, which we deem as more important than the benefits of risk. We shrink back and are relating to others when we buy into the untruth that says, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. To this, Jesus says, if you save or treasure your life above all else, you will lose it. Now, some love stories where others overcome adversity then dread facing that challenge themselves. It's why in a game of tag with kids, That They rush to say not it because they don't want to be the tagger. Because the overwhelming burden lies on the tagger to tag someone else. It's an adverse circumstance. And they don't want to be forced into that position. It's innate. It's natural. Not it. Someone else. Resistance, though, brings reliance. The attempt to preserve physical life will jeopardize the more essential being of a person. Whereas willingness to lose by stepping into the unknown for the sake of Jesus will guarantee one's being. The one who plays it safe and considers their existence more important than Jesus will lose what they so desperately want, life. In contrast, the one who gives their life for Jesus will eventually save it. We were created to depend on Jesus. Resistance in this world, adversity, difficult circumstances, venturing into unknown and uncertainty brings reliance. It brings dependence upon God, and we begin to fully function how God created us to always be, in relationship with him, dependent on him, saying no to self. And yes to Jesus in every area of life. That's why the tandem of taking up one's cross and denying self follows Jesus into a relationship with God and others. When we eliminate opportunities that force us to come face to face with with ourselves, our true selves, we misunderstand and misrepresent Jesus. When we set the terms, of our followership of Jesus, we rob ourselves of the opportunity to experience God's power in our everyday lives. Too often we make faith the way we want it. We want to write out the agreement. We want to confine faith to a set of hours in our schedule. In the seeming battle between good people and evil people, we want to ensure that we are on the right side. This is why when Jesus says, You, take up your cross and follow me. It's so jarring. We expect others to take up their crosses, but certainly we get to avoid any discomfort or risk. All the while, we wonder why God doesn't show up in our lives. Sometimes it's because we have set the terms. The preservation of our life is worth more to us than the life God gives. We would rather preserve our life, what we think of our life, than surrender to God and experience His power. God wants you to experience His power in your life. And to begin this road, you begin to go on this journey with God through denial of self and taking up of cross and keeping your eyes fixed on Him. The preservation of our life is worth more to us than the life God gives. It's as if to say, come on, Jesus, look at my life. No one else gives me a break or cuts me any slack. Everything seems like a fight or like it's chaos. You're supposed to be the one thing that doesn't give me any pushback. And our spiritual connection with God begins to atrophy when we avoid the risk because we have no need for God and thus avoid actual dependence on God. What are we risking? When we begin to go on this road with Jesus, we are risking the security of the known. We're risking humiliation because we only know what it means to be proud. We are risking relationship. We don't know if others can be trusted. To all of this, Jesus patiently says, stop trying to prepare the road. We can be prepared and responsive for the ever-changing road by putting spirit over self. Daily, depending on God, where we live, work, and play. And that's why Jesus drops this this last nugget in verse 1 of chapter 9. Jesus makes a statement to help his disciples better understand how life is experienced on the other side of death. Ultimately, the presence of the Holy Spirit within their life proves the embodiment of God's kingdom, the right rule of God within the life of the follower. Jesus is beginning to address what's on the other side of the cross. A resurrection life on the way, In our lives. We experience that life. We experience God's power. When we embrace suffering through risk. And depend on him. Jesus isn't calling anyone. To do anything other than. As Mark is about to show. That he is willing to do himself. These crowds. His disciples. You. Me. Are invited to follow him. On his Say no to self, take up cross, and follow Jesus. Let us do this together. May together we help each other put spirit over self in our everyday lives and experience God's power together.